Cougs house. All right, the big weekend is finally here. It's going to rekindle that old Southwest Conference rivalry with that school that has that Bryles guy, that Ann Richards lady. Let's think happier thoughts. You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougs, the daily podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Angel, here to break down all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or just a hater who came to stop by, please be sure to hit subscribe down below. That way we can get the latest on the Cougs in your news feed each and every day. We appreciate you making Locked On Cougs your first listen of the day. If you find us on YouTube, welcome back to the YouTube channel. It is so good to see you again. Uh, remember to hit subscribe. We're doing a giveaway every 250 subscribers. Next one, 1750. We're up over 1670 last I saw. Please subscribe. Help us get there. Like, comment on the video so we know you're in the contest. If you are all bailered out by the end of this episode, tell us what your favorite Disney movie is. Now, today's show, we're going to go through the three keys to victory for the Houston Cougars uh, against Baylor this weekend. This Baylor game has a lot of emotional ties to it. Both teams are in rough spots. As we said in the crossover episode on Thursday, um, both coaches may be fighting for their jobs in a weird way in this one. Um Obviously, the Baylor game holds a particular interest to Houston Cougar fans that remember getting left out of the Big 12 in the 1990s um, because of the role Ann Richards, a Baylor alum, played in that. Obviously, being from Baylor and the University of Texas at Austin or having her two degrees from those two schools in the formation of the Southwest Conference or the dissolution of the Southwest Conference, the formation of the Big 12, they left Houston and other city schools for what's worth out to create a school where or a conference where uh ut austin wasn't the biggest city and the rest of them were a bunch of other schools including her beloved baptists um all kinds of fun rivalry things in this one but we gotta make sure we win it to be able to talk trash about those rivalries and there are three things that houston's got to got to got to do so one of those things is that they got to get after blake shapen um we'll talk about more why that is in a second because i think that seems fairly obvious at first um they got to find his Favorite receiver, Monterey, uh, Monterey Baldwin, on every single snap. We'll give more detail as to why that is. And then third and finally, they got to make sure that they give Donovan Smith time to take advantage because there are things to take advantage of in the passing game. So we got all those things to cover. We're going to break that down in more in today's episode. So let's go ahead and start with getting after Blake Shapen. Blake Shapen is not a particularly fleet of foot fellow. Um, fleet of foot fellow you know, alliteration that's what we're doing today. Um, on a Friday of all days, right? Um, fleet of foot fellow. He he's just he's not like the athletic scrambly type that gets a ton of yards uh running the football. He's not like a mm, big game running kind of guy. If anything, he's got negative rushing yards in more games this year than not. So I said to say that like he's not gonna be running away from the He's not going to be running away from the pass rush a whole heck of a lot. Um, but also, when you look at the things that Blake Shapin does, um, he they've had a fairly mm, shrunk down passing offense. Um, I say that to say that he has not been the starter for every game. He missed some kind of hurt in the middle of the season. But he does have just six passing touchdowns. He has thrown one interception. He has just thrown 186 passes this season. Um, 
he's completed 60.8 of them. If he gets time to stay in the pocket, he can throw. He has 1,400 yards in his uh, five games as the starter. Um, but I have to, have to, have to say that I think that in watching him move around some in the Iowa State and Texas Tech games, um, that if, you know, Houston's pass rusher, that's Dot Nwanko. If Nelson Caesar is healthy this week, and I assume he is, we haven't heard anything otherwise. Um, at, to this point, at the recording of this podcast, we haven't heard anything otherwise. And Dana acted like after last week's Kansas State game, like it was a fairly minor thing. It just, he wasn't be ready to go last Saturday. So if Nelson Caesar is back and you have Gwegbu on the other side, Dot in the middle, get some Damari Caldwell in there, right? The occasional uh, blitzer from beyond that. Like, I think you can get after this guy and get him off his marks. Um, he is typically having over three seconds to pass, 3.05 seconds to pass the football, which is a lot of time. Um, on non-screen passes, I should say, not because screen passes obviously come out of hands pretty quickly. On non-screen passes, he has 3.05 seconds for the football. And that, I think, is really important because that means that that's what he's comfortable with. That's what he's averaging. If you can pull that number down, get after him in under three seconds, get contacted him, get, get him off his spots, get him flushed in closer to two and a half seconds, you may alter a lot of what they're trying to do. He also, for what's worth, tries to get the ball out really quickly because their average distance of targets the A dot is just 8.9 yards. And I understand they throw a lot of screen passes, right? Which is probably pulling that number down some. But it also means that he's trying to get the ball out his hands, right? Um, and there's some quarterbacks, namely, like you could argue Tom Brady's that kind of a guy to get the ball out of his hands, right? Like I'm not saying that's not a effective strategy, but I am saying that if you can keep that from happening with a great pass rush, you can fluster a lot of what an already Meh, offense is trying to do right and so if you can get after him get him off his spots he's not mobile get after him once he flushes the pocket we know nelson caesar if he's healthy and ready to roll has a had a great year as a pass rusher wegbu has kind of come on as of late and then i've always thought of dot i mentioned him earlier at the top of the segment i've always thought of dot as a run stopping guy uh he is great in one-on-one combat probably a better phrase like all that one-on-one hand fighting stuff inside um he is continue to develop as a pass rusher this season. Uh, as we mentioned in the Kansas State game, actually, I think I said on Twitter, I was too, too bad a mood after the game to talk about it directly, but um, he is the first sack on future pro Connor Beebe, uh, Cooper Beebe from um, Kansas State since like the year 2020, right? Like, Dodd has turned into a much better pass rusher over the course of the season. Last year, he was more of a run guy. This year, he's more balanced. He does both things very well. And I think that what you're going to see there is hopefully – some aspect of that pass rush feeding it to the other one, right? Either the edge guys like a Caesar and a Caldwell, if they took the odd front, um, flushing them up the middle, flushing them to dot or dot, uh, penetrating up the middle, flushing them to the outside where the Gwegbu and Caesar can kind of come down from the outside linebacker, hang player type spot and come down and get them. I assume in this matchup we'll see more of the 3-3-5 because they stuck with it against Kansas State, frankly, even when it wasn't working particularly well. I think that, again, we mentioned after the Texas game, they went to this because it plays off of the strengths of Gwegbu and Caesar. Uh, it just looked por- particularly porous in the Kansas State game without Caesar out there, right? Um, and so, assuming he's back and assuming this thing works well, Houston could really have a chance to actually have a fairly solid defensive game. We haven't had many of those this year, and I understand why you'd be a little skeptical. But if you get after shape and get him off his spots, get him out of the outside of the pocket where he is less effective than the football, get him flustered where he has less time than he's used to throwing the football, and all of those good things for the Houston Cougars, I have to think that things will go Houston's way. Now, if you're a daily morning listener on your way to work, I'm sorry you didn't get this one on Friday morning. Um, and I understand that, like, you know, 
things happen. I hope you understand that things happen on our end too. We're trying to get this out to you as fast as we can. But you could also be listening to this on your way to a tailgate or on your way to Waco on Friday afternoon or Saturday morning. And if you are on your way to Waco or on your way to a tailgate along that Riverside McLean Stadium or what have you, and you still need tickets, let me tell you where to go get them. There's no better place to go get those tickets than the Game Time app or use GameTime.co. The Game Time is a great place to go find tickets because the only place that lets you uh, get complete peace of mind within your purchase. You can see your seats view from before you buy them, so you can see exactly what to expect once you walk into the stadium. All prices show the total up front. There's no like hidden fees after you click go on any of these kinds of things. And they want to make sure they find ways to save you money on all types of events, whether that is football games, concerts, basketball, baseball, theater, etc. They find all kinds of things and ways to save you money to all types of events, whether it's a college football game or you're already trying to get spring training tickets because you've got a bad taste from last season or whatever. All kinds of things are at GameTime.co. Now, you can also, when you do this, go to the zone deals. I think this is the coolest part. You just say what section of the stadium you want to sit in. GameTime picks the seats, and you get an eight, an average of 18% savings. That's really, really big time. So make sure you go to GameTime.co uh, game or the app and create an account. Use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, L-O-C-K-E-D, O-N-C-O-L-L-E-G-E for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute deals. Last minute tickets. Lowest prices. Guaranteed. All right, so I mentioned that there were three keys to the game. We've gone through an effective one, but in the course of mentioning that, I mentioned one receiver that is Blake Shapin's very most favorite, and that is Monterey Baldwin. Monterey Baldwin is really, really good, folks, and so Houston's second key to victory is going to be to make sure they account for him and know where he is on every single snap. Now, if you look at his lineup numbers as far as where he lands up on the field and how many snaps he plays each position, that feels really simple to do, right? Uh, in 261 snaps this year, he's only been the wide, the outside receiver, 20 times. He's typically in the slot. The trick is is that he lines up in the left slot, the right slot, the outside slot, the inside slot when they're in trips. He'll line up on a you know dead T side way outside the but in the slot receiver because there's a tight end on that side or whatever, right? They'll motion him, they'll put him in rub routes, they'll put him all kinds of different things from those slot positions. So while he lines up in the slot nearly every pattern, um, he is typically on the move, sometimes literally again in motion at the snap. Um, he is by far and away the favorite target. Again, uh, we mentioned that Shapin has thrown just 186 passes. There have been over 50 targets of uh, Monterey Baldwin this season. Um, that's that's a lot, folks. That's a lot. He has 30 catches uh, for 570 yards and three touchdowns. That's 19 yards per reception. Uh, in an offense that likes to throw the ball short, he takes them deep. Um it's probably because he's as fast as anyone in college football. And I don't see that to be like over the top praising of someone in the team, but more of the kind of thing that Houston's got to account for. Um, he, at one point last season, he had the high, uh, he had the high mark last season, because at one point um, in after catch the football and running with it, he hit over 22 miles per hour with the ball. I believe it was 22.8 miles per hour with the ball in his hands. He's really, really fast. Um, 
Houston's got to find a way to find where he is. And I have in my notes that they should not bracket him. Bracket is when you have like a guy on his left, a guy on his right, a guy on his inside, a guy on his outside. I don't think after watching him that's as effective because he's got such great straight line speed. I think the far more effective way to cover this guy is to have someone low and someone high, right? High low the guy, make him run side to side to get away from you, and running side to side is not gaining yards, right? That's my thought. And if I look at where he catches the ball the most, um, 15 of his 52 targets have been so rough, little, little less than a third, have all been in the middle of the field between 10 and 20 yards downfield. So he's looking in that middle window, what we call as I coach the hole, right? He's looking at the hole in the middle of the field. And the nice part about that for Houston is that I'm assuming they match up with him with Malik Fleming and a one-on-one kind of scenario underneath stuff and give a little bit more of a press coverage. Baldwin is not a particularly large guy, right? Malik Fleming, we think of as getting boxed out by big tight ends against West Virginia or jump balls. And you know, someone has way some did against Texas, those kinds of things. Um, Kansas State as well, I guess. Baldwin's really, really good, but he's not a giant. He's also 5'9". So Malik Fleming can play press coverage, can play down low on top of him, and be, you know, not be giving anything up. I think it's really, really important for this matchup. And because of how many of their concepts put him in that middle of the field, whole spot, 10 to 20 yards, center of the field, um, that is where A.J. Halsey can come down from the top side. Now, Halsey is a tackling he's a menace i mean he's vicious he lays real-time hits uh frankly with a smaller receiver if he caught him good you could see him you know certainly get alligator arms and think about it the rest of the day i'm not one for advocating for cheap shot turn guys but you want to make him feel it and think of it. if he catches one for 16 yards make sure he thinks about it the next time he goes the same route right um i think that that's what you could see out there i also think we saw because we saw Halsey play different spots in the Kansas State game because of a couple injuries along the way. Um, and you saw Juwan Gaston play from that free sp- safety spot um, against bigger receivers that would worry me. You have 5'9 and 5'9 against their best guy. But Gaston being 5'9 or 10 or whatever, he's officially, because uh, the listings are always a little off, right? Um, theoretically, you're not giving up much there either. So it's okay to have two of your 5'9 type guys, 5'10 type guys out there covering him because you're not giving up size on those matchups you've got to find a way to have a guy underneath and a guy over the top um when you have guys on the left and right against a speed guy like this um i think about the most perfect example of this was was it been two weeks ago now um the miami dolphins are playing the philadelphia eagles and i forget it was sunday night football or monday night football one of the primetime games anyway like they talked about this tool pass where he hits tyree kill in double coverage and like throwing the ball in a bucket kind of thing but Terry Kill is faster than both guys covering him, and the double coverage, quote unquote, was guy on his inside and guy on his outside. And they had to both open their hips, turn and run in a straight line downfield faster than Tyreek Hill. And they couldn't do it. And it left it led to a great touchdown. I worry bracketing Monterey Baldwin, well, he's not Tyreek Hill, could lead to the same kind of outcome because he's really, really fast in a straight line. And if your coverage idea is having one guy on the inside and one guy on the outside, to theoretically make him only one run one route, while you will effectively only make him one run route, run one route. That's hard to say. It is challenging when he's really, really good at that route. That's the route I think he probably runs the best. It's just the same, simple seam route, maybe a little bit of a fade act and start of it. Whatever straight line down the field is his best concept. They hit him again in that fifteen yard window, and he takes off running. He has multiple catches of over forty five yards this season. He is fast, fast fast you've got to got to got to high low this guy you got to do it with a couple different um 
I'm sure they'll line up different corners and give him different looks and things like that. I'm sure Baylor try to move him around the field so it's not just uh, Fleming and Halsey high low on the guy. But Houston's got to find ways to keep him contained. What I imagine that leads to, if they do it really well in the first quarter, by the second quarter or certainly after halftime, you'll see Baylor put him in a lot of rub routes. They do a good job of and man man rubbing him off of other concepts to where that underneath guy, in our case, I believe it'll be Malik Fleming, is thrown off of the coverage. What that has to ha- what has to happen when you do that with a guy as fast as Monterey Baldwin is, it's hopefully they're practicing the verbal communication, but in a rowdy, raucous McLean Stadium, it might be too loud for the to actually hear the verbal. Everyone's got to understand commonly run concepts. So fade spout or, and I guess in a rub kind of way, slant arrow or whatever, right. And doing those kinds of classic combinations, um, understanding who we would call it unwrap, who unwraps to which guy, right. If our two guys are meeting at the same point and then continuing in what is a rub route an inadvertent air quote screen, um, I have to know that, okay, that guy's covering number two. I've got number three. We're going to unwrap it. I'm going to take the inside. He's going to take the outside because they do this a lot. This is a commonly run concept, et cetera. It's a little bit of film study and a little bit of understanding. And frankly, it takes some time in the field to kind of work through the timing of it. And so we talk about like having a, a secondary coming into the season that had not played much together. You worry about it. By this point, they played a lot of snaps together. You're hoping to have some proficiency in unwrapping those kinds of concepts. Now, they do have another receiver that catches a lot of balls and at Katron Jackson. Um, he has 51 targets, 24 catches, uh, 392 yards at 16.3 yards per catch, but he has no touchdowns. Um, he is not the same kind of threat by any stretch. Um, and that's not to say that he's not good, although some, some people might say that. But it is to say that he's not as threatening to me as Monterey Baldwin, I will say that if Houston were to have trouble with him, he's more of the classic 6'3". Uh, he might box you out for a jump ball. He's that type of receiver. So that will take a little bit different type of minutia part of the coverage on him. But on the whole, he doesn't concern me nearly as much. Again, that's not to say that he is not a good receiver. It's just not the one that worries me nearly as much. I will say, though, that Houston will have to score points when this game. They're not going to keep me out of the end zone. It's not going to be a clean sheet. They don't pitch a shutout. Um, and frankly, I'm not going to be the one that gets upset if they don't. If they give up 14 or 21 points, both teams practice this. Again, this offense will be at home. Again, they, they feel like they got to win. They'll be motivated. Houston's got to come in and score the touchdowns. Now, to score the touchdowns, they got to get Donovan Smith some time. We'll talk about why in a second. But first... If you are also trying to win this weekend, just like Houston Cougars are, you need to prizepicks.com slash locked on college to start winning yourself. Now, as basketball season is here, and every Houston Cougar fan knows that as much as anyone, you can pick combo projections across prize picks between football and basketball from their specials league. It's a league specifically created for combination projections. You can do things like uh, LeBron James and Travis Kelsey for a 10.5. Uh, three-pointers made and receptions combined kind of combination, right? So between the two of them, you're going to have like LeBron hits four threes and Travis Kelsey has seven catches. Boom, there's your 11. You're over the 10.5. You pick combinations of stats between the two guys. It's a great way to get involved in all kinds of sports on a fun weekend like this one itself. Plus, PriceFix has this reboot policy. So even if your guys that you put stat picks on get hurt, 
you can still continue to win. Football and basketball games, uh, if you have a player that exits the game in the first half and does not return the second, that player is automatically rebooted. PriceFix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with that kind of insurance policy. So make sure you go to prizefix.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, prizefix.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college L O C K E D O N C O L L E G for a, pri- a first deposit match up to $100. Prizefix, go win this weekend. All right. So I could say every week, that an important key is to make sure that you give one Donovan Smith time to throw, right? Um, I think that's fairly obvious, fairly simple. And yes, of course, Donovan Smith would like some time to throw. I would also like to win the lottery. Like some things are just fairly obvious. But in this game specifically, the secondary from Baylor is very, very weak. And it's probably the weakest part of their team. It's probably why they are three and five themselves. It's probably why one of their three wins is against a school that I did not know had football named Long Island University. Did you know they played football in Long Island? I did not know they played football in Long Island. Um, anyway, so getting Donovan Smith time to throw the ball is going to be really important because Houston will have advantages at every single receiver matchup. They have no one that can cover Matthew Golden one-on-one. They have no one that can cover Sam Brown one-on-one. If Joseph Manjek is cleared to play, and he's clear, at this point a game time decision based on the still uh, concussion protocol from his honestly we'll call it a dirty hit from Texas and game about uh, two days ago the two weeks ago at this point. Um, if he is on the field, they got no one to cover him. If he is not on the field and Boogie Johnson is, they got no one that can cover, no one that can cover him. And frankly, from a linebacker perspective, I don't think they can cover Michael Laughlin. Right? Like they've got a lot of holes in their coverage. I think Houston wins one-on-one matchups at each and every one of those spots. Now, the way to cover or mask bad coverage, the way to cover bad coverage, is that good English? The way to mask bad coverage is, simply put, to make sure that, um, bluntly, you get after the quarterback and get him off spots. Kind of, not that Houston has bad coverage, but kind of like we said in the opening segment with Blake Shapin, you would get after and make him uncomfortable. If you get after a quarterback and make that quarterback, Donovan Smith uncomfortable, you could theoretically... You'd hope to. Um, honestly, if you're trying to make him uncomfortable, you're trying to make sure that you get him off his spots because you know Donovan Smith, unfortunately, in his non-Houston time, is um, a guy that can you know turn the ball over some. And if a guy that can throw the ball over some and it's someone that's turnover prone that Donovan Smith has been in the past, um, you worry about like – well, honestly, you worry about if you're Houston – giving them two new possessions because it takes them a long time to throw. And if it takes them a long time to throw, uh, sorry, if it, sorry, it takes them a long time to score and a lot of possessions to score. And it takes them a lot of possessions to score. You don't want to be giving them extra possessions. Um, but if you give Diamond Smith time to throw, that's why I'm lumping all these words together. Um, I, I don't think that there's any man-to-man concept that Baylor runs that they'll be able to cover our guys. And in their zone coverage, because Houston's got such an advantage, the wide receivers, I think things like the simple clear out uh, mesh concept they ran against Texas should pop open very, very quickly. It might not be the home run ball through the air. It might be the kind of thing where they try and force Houston to throw the ball short. But we also said on previous episodes and previous weeks that that's actually something Houston does very well. The interesting thing to me about Baylor is um, I feel like in looking at their defense, um, they're the kind of team that every three or four 
plays, maybe five or six plays if you're being conservative. You need to take a shot. And I mean like a touchdown wherever you are in the field kind of shot. They have a crazy high. Uh, they're giving up crazy high uh, average distance on target. I mean, the ball travels in the air a long ways downfield against these guys. That means guys are open down the field. We have the advantage Houston has, and you see that on film. This could be, for the skill guys, a get-right game almost. I mean, it's that kind of a difference to me. If they have time with the football, if guys are in the right headspace, right? You saw Kansas State look like they were um, shaking early, right? Um, if things are going well, this could be the kind of game where you see Golden gets two touchdowns. Sammy gets his touchdown. Carnes gets one, right? Whatever the case may be, right? I always go to Boogie because I think of Boogie, but Carnes had a really, you know, even amidst an otherwise ugly game against Kansas State, I thought his first start as a college kid was pretty impressive. Um, I, I look at all these spots across the football field and think that Baylor's going to not, Baylor's going to dial up some sort of a way to get pressure because they can't match up in the back half. That also means if you can hold off that pressure, that they're even more skeleton-like in the back half. Um, so I would imagine you'll see things like that corner concept that we have seen so much this season, where Manjack, uh, not Manjack, uh, Matthew Golden lines up in more of a slot position outside of Miss Sam Brown. Sam Brown is an underneath like speed in or a three yard in or whatever you want to call that simple short drag route kind of stuff, right? Like just barely off line scrimmage. And then man Jack runs like a six yard, six yard or an eight yard and hit the corner. Um, the one we dropped for that would have won that would have kept the game going against rice when he caught against Texas. Like they run those kinds of cons. They run the concept a lot. They run that concept a lot in the red zone. It's one of, I guess it's Birch's, but I favorites, but I also think Holgerson likes it. Um, you could certainly see them hit that kind of stuff against these guys because that underneath route by Sam Brown holds interior guys. So they got to cover the breaking in route and puts Matthew Golden in a one-on-one situation, typically amongst whoever it is matched up on top of him, uh, takes away the opportunity for double team. And I don't know that they've got anyone that can cover Matthew Golden one-on-one. Frankly, if they go over the top and we get the ball in Sam Brown's hands moving full speed, I don't know if they have anyone that can catch Sam Brown. And so all those things you see happen um, develop because Donovan Smith has time to sit, catch the snap, take his three-step drop, even from the shotgun, it still takes one, two, three typically, have eyes downfield and let the thing fly. If we don't have those, we got problems. Um, I, I'd imagine because the way things have gone this year that ends up becoming – Sack yardage problems, not turnover problems. That's been more of the MO of the offense this year when uh, the pass protection is breaking down. And that's not inherently worse, but what it does mean it puts Houston behind the sticks, um, which can just kind of can compound the issue. I anticipate a high-scoring game this week. I'm saying, and I've said uh, earlier this week, 42-38 Houston. Um, I think it's that kind of high-scoring game. Uh, Baylor, just they, they don't have, their offense is not scaring me as much as it meaning a lot to them, it being a home game, it being a Big 12 game, um, those kinds of things, working against Houston for them, scoring a lot of points. But I think as far as the offense goes, Houston can and should score a whole heck of a lot of points. If you think I'm wrong, if you think I'm a little far off or whatever, tell me in the comments down below. And thank you all so much for making Locked on Cougs your first listen or you listen along the way to the tailgate, you listen along the way to Waco, whatever the case may be. We appreciate talking about Houston Cougars today. Uh, next week, we got some basketball to get into. We got to talk about the Rockets using some Houston Cougars in their marketing plan for the basketball season upcoming. We got to talk about 
you know, Louisiana Monroe and basketball season officially tips off Monday night. All kinds of fun things next week. Hopefully talking about a Victory Monday kind of celebration as well. Whatever happens Saturday, will be live at night. Cougars After Dark happens after dark. It'll be Saturday night. Uh, Cougars After Dark will air. I think we're looking at 9.30. Again, 9.30 Central Time. So be ready for that as well. Live show. Come in. Tell us your comments. We'll talk about Houston, Baylor, the Big 12, whatever else happening in college football that day. So make sure you subscribe. Hit the bell for notifications so you know we're live and get ready for that one. Again, thank you all so much for talking. Houston Cougars today. Locked on Cougars. Primary Locked on Podcast Network. And that means your team every day. Go Cougs.